Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Good morning? You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away! Let me speak for the love of God! Well, hello, hello, hello. Good morning to you. Some of you are probably here bright and early with us on a Monday morning as the episode drops. When some of you might be catching us later in the week. Maybe if you've stumbled across us, maybe in the future... Whatever the circumstances are, welcome to another episode of Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by FakeShemp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. I was trying to be clever there and didn't work. I've never, I've never successfully been clever in my life. <laughs> my name is Glenn Cochran. You can find me right here behind the mic week after week. It's always a pleasure to be shooting the shit with you and talking all nerdy things about movies. We also have that other guy who enjoys listening back to his own segments while fast-forwarding through mine, uh, Ben Helwig. Hey, mate. <laughs> hey, who are you again? Sorry. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I, uh, it's great because it, it means when I listen to the show, it goes for a, a crisp 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, everybody, you can find Good Movie Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. And just like every other podcast declares in their intro, or wherever else you get your podcast from, this week we're getting a little bit sombre, and we're going to look back on some of the celebrity deaths of 2020. However, rather than mourning the loss of these people, we're going to celebrate their work and their contributions throughout their careers. One thing I know is for sure, Ben, and that is that the immemoriums at all of the upcoming event shows are bound to be long and arduous because, damn, a lot of people have left us this year. A surprising amount, but I'm always surprised by who's passed and how quickly that I've forgotten that they've passed. Like, you know, people who died in the first half of the year, by the time the second half of the year comes past, you're like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I completely forgot. Kenny Rogers died? <laughs> Did he? But who's making all the chicken? Like, it's, uh... <laughs> We're going to have to pay some... Uh... Some respect to the great man later in the show. Uh, before anything else, uh, last week we lost the great Sandy Harbert, who, um, w- which inspired this whole show. It's the reason I chose this subject. He was the Australian legend who gave us Stone, the hugely influential 1974 biker movie that paved the way for the likes of Mad Max. But it was never really given the recognition it deserved. Uh, you know, it's an important slice of Aussie cinema as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it was his only theatrical film. But boy, was it a beauty. So there's one right off the bat. Uh, I think Stone, Ben, is a cracking flick. I think you'd agree. I would. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, I always I always loved the idea of... I saw it after, I think, Rebecca Gilling had a, was already like a TV presenter by the time I'd seen Stone. And I remember, <laughs> I remember my eyes popping out of my head. <laughs> that and uh, Man from Hong Kong. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> Rebecca. <laughs> 
Uh, well, naturally, throughout the show, um, we'll be reeling off a whole lot of other people. Um, we can't talk about everybody that passed away, otherwise that would be a very long show. So we'll name a few, talk about a few, and you guys out there can carry on the conversation on our social media pages, notably Facebook and YouTube. That's where we are. We banter the most. But for now, can you guess what this is? Education laid the foundation. I got a new bus! Heredity opened the door. Oh! And dedication took it from there. Oh! Did you live under power lines as a kid or something? Rated PG-13. Just a few short days ago, we also lost uh, Daria Nicolodi, the Italian actress who was most famously attached to Dario Argento and was the mother of Asia Argento. But Ben, you and I, we're hardly experts or we're hardly versed in her work at all. So we invited Jarrett to record something of a, a short tribute to her uh, because I reckon he's all over this and her work is arguably... No, definitely on brand with what we love and do at Fake Shemp and here on Good Movie Mondays. So here's Jarrett, uh, the J-Man discussing the legacy of Daria Nicolodi. Hey, this is Jarrett and it's with a heavy heart that I'm here to talk about the passing of Italian cinematic treasure Daria Nicolodi. Not only a star of stage and screen in Italy, but also a uh, collaborator with filmmaker Dario Argento, her longtime partner Dario Argento. The pair co-wrote uh, several films together, including Suspiria Inferno, and probably a lot more of Dario's work than she's given due credit for. Uh, but she was just such a phenomenal screen presence. Uh, she could play, she had such range. She could play someone that was bubbly and charismatic uh, and, you know, instantly infectious and beautiful to someone that was generally terrifying and that you could barely look at. Uh, she just, yeah, she had that range about her. And I recall the first film that I saw her in as a young lad, I think it was probably six or seven growing up, was Deep Red, um, of course, Profondo Rosso, but the Australian uh, Seven Keys video version of Deep Red. And her performance in it is just fantastic. She's just, she's so dynamic. She's, she's, she's quirky, funny, uh, fiercely independent, uh, just just instantly lovable and yeah I really liked her in that role I think she had incredible screen chemistry with David Hemmings as well in that picture and from having seen that film then of course I became a fan of her work and as the years went on I saw her in you know many many other films and I mean she worked with such genre titans Italian genre titans as Luigi Cozzi and Lamberto Barba so you know she she had just such an incredible career and that career itself uh, her work with cinema is near on 40 years so it's a it's a true true loss to both italian cinema and cinema in general uh that she's passed but look let's let's celebrate her memory let's revisit one of our favorite films of hers um you know it's going to be hard for me not to want to watch profondo rosso or even tenembrae but i'm gonna i'm gonna throw on paganini horror which is uh luigi cozy uh italian horror film from 1989 that she was um, she co-wrote that film as well? So she's not only in it, but she co-wrote it. So that's that's how I'm going to celebrate her memory. And yeah, so uh, Vale Daria Nicolodi. All right, so backing things up and maybe providing a little bit of context for today's show. Regular listeners will know all about the Good Movie Monday curse. <laughs> no sooner do we talk about 
random celebrities, they end up dying before the next damn episode <laughs> drops. Uh, <laughs> just to clarify, though, we're not talking about everybody. Like It's not like every celebrity we talk about actually kicks the bucket after each recording, but we do certainly um, have a curse that's going on, uh, Sean Connery being one of the most recent ones. Um, and when the curse does strike, we do tend to stop for a moment to celebrate said person's career. So naturally, we have um, we have talked about a lot and we don't want to repeat ourselves. So as we move forward on this show, we'll turn our attention to some of the lesser known stars and perhaps uh, some that you didn't know died. But before we get to that, here's Jarrett again with another fucking interruption. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE class. Now, it's an absolute banger of a week for home entertainment this week, and that's a phrase that I didn't anticipate I'd be using on this segment anytime soon, let alone at the tail end of 2020. But in any case, let's kick it off with Disney, who are releasing Fox's The New Mutants on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD. Yep, that's right, the film that neither Fox nor Disney could release into cinemas over the course of the last two odd years. In fact, it jumped release dates something like five times or that. And by the time it did get released in cinemas back in August, there were barely any cinemas open globally and certainly no cinemas open in Melbourne. I have not seen it. I am dead keen to check it out. I know uh, it's not going to be great. The reviews were abysmal. And look, I'm a bit of a masochist ultimately, but I do want to see it. The 4K Ultra HD at least has Dolby Atmos, HDR10 visuals, and the 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray releases have special features. There's deleted scenes, featurettes, and even an audio commentary track with director Josh Boone and artist Bill Savinsky, who did art for Marvel for many years, including The New Mutants. And from what I've read, this actual commentary track barely talks about the film, and it's really just an interview about Bill's work. So that sounds like it'll be a fascinating listen right up there with Arnold Schwarzenegger's commentary on Total Recall. Then moving on to Roadshow, they've got three Warner properties making their 4K Ultra HD debut, and they're all awesome. First up, you've got Lord of the Rings Trilogy, and it's both the theatrical and extended cuts of the film, with Dolby Atmos mixes and, as well, visually, Dolby Vision and HDR10. Likewise with the Hobbit trilogy, both extended and theatrical with the same specs. However, neither of these releases will have any special features, but that's okay because Warner's given us a heads up that they're going to release the Ultimate Collector's Edition mid next year, which will be fully loaded and no doubt will probably be something like 60 discs or something, and I'm, I'm not even joking. Uh, the other release from Warner that's coming out via Roadshow is Blade on 4K Ultra HD, which is awesome because I love the original Blade. I wasn't so big a fan of Blade 2 or Blade Trinity, but Blade I like, and Blade is coming out with a new Dolby Atmos mix, which is cool. It's got HDR10 visuals, and it's porting over all the archival special features from the previous Warner New Line release and local Roadshow release. Then moving on to... Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Now, Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment this week, well, let's just say they've got a pretty cool release. It's a cool budget release. It's Sid and Nancy, the Alex Cox film, is coming out on Blu-ray locally. This is the Blu-ray debut of the film locally, and it's coming out from Studio Canal as part of their Classics Remastered range. Now, it's utilising the same 4K scan and remaster that was present on the Criterion release in the United States, and it has three interview featurettes on it as well. Unfortunately, not as many of the special features as present on the Criterion release. But look, you're going to pick this up for around $15. And at $15, that's that's a whopping saving. You're going to be spending, what, like $35 to $45 on the Criterion? 
I'm happy with this. Look, I'm mainly getting it for the film, and if the picture and sound quality are great, then I am in. Then the only other distributor I will mention that's releasing a title on Blu-ray and DVD this week is Umbrella Entertainment. They're releasing Honey Boy on Blu-ray and DVD, which is really cool that they're putting this out, and let alone on high-def Blu-ray as well, for the fact that this was an Amazon property. So I kind of figured we'd only ever see it on Amazon streaming service on Prime Video. But they're doing a physical release of it, which is pretty rad. Now, uh, if you haven't heard about Honey Boy, it had a brief theatrical at the start of the year, and it's somewhat autobiographical about Shia LaBeouf's life, and it's actually written by Shia LaBeouf, and it's a, a really solid film. Like, I, I urge you to check it out. But that's it for Home Entertainment this week. There are a ton of other things coming out on DVD, but look, I only have so much time, and you only have so much patience. So until next time, stay physical. So some of the big guns that we've lost this year include uh, Sean Connery, Chadwick Boseman, Ian Holm, Carl Reiner, Kirk Douglas, Joel Schumacher, Callie Preston. It's incredible to think of the calibre of star power that have taken their final bow this year. And we did discuss each of those people on previous episodes. Um, let's talk about some people we haven't talked about. And Ben, if you feel compelled to backpedal and discuss any of them, let me know. Actually, let's get the James Bond ones out of the way. This is incredible. In addition to Sean Connery, we also lost Michael Lonsdale, who played Hugo Drax in Moonraker. Uh, Honey Blackman, uh, who played Pussy Galore in Goldfinger, who I think we did speak about. I spoke a bit about her uh, in that, um, when I talked about Shalako. She's in that. She's the, the trampish congresswoman's, congressman's wife who deserts the congressman the minute, the, the first sign of trouble and rides off with the uh, bosky Fulton, the arsehole cowboy who leads them into the trouble in the first place. Great. <laughs> Margaret Nolan, also from Goldfinger. Uh, Max von Sydow, uh, Blofeld from Never Say Never Again. Diana Rigg uh, was Bond's wife on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Like, can you believe it? Like, geez, the Bond franchise... In trouble this year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's always been the Bond curse, but that used to just kind of refer to the the women who appeared in Bond films would never kind of work again or never be um, in big things again, which was I always thought was a bit ridiculous because it wasn't true. A lot of them had, you know, kind of pretty full-on careers after after being in a in a Bond movie. But um, Max von Sydow is a big was a big loss. I don't know why he wasn't Blofeld in every Bond. He should have just always been Blofeld. Like Donald Pleasance is pretty good, but Max von Sydow, you know, like I loved him and everything. He's he's the best in, in Three Days of the Condor, which I spoke about I think last week. Uh, yeah, he's he's the um, he's the kind of contract killer that comes after uh, what's his name? Um, not Paul Newman, the other guy, Robert Redford. Comes after Robert Redford. <laughs> I was literally just looking at Robert Redford on the internet too, because when you look up people who had died this year, his son is one of them. Like there's a lot of kids of celebrities, more kids of celebrities than celebrities themselves. I think, um, what's his name? Larry King, the talk show host. I think he had like two or three kids die this year. Yeah. All of non-COVID related things, all of different things. Like it's just remarkable. And the same with... Um, with uh, uh, Robert Redford's son, um, but uh, Max von Sydow is is the villain, and he has this the great line like where he tells Robert Redford how he's going to be how the CIA are basically going to kill him. You know, it's going to be it'll happen like this. It's the first, it'll be the first 
in the first warm day, perhaps the first day of spring, and you'll be walking along the street and a car will pull up next to you and someone will get out, maybe a friend, maybe someone you trust, but the door will remain open. And it's this great bit. And then it happens at the end of the film. And it is like, it is, it's not in the TV series. They don't, they don't have the balls to, 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 and I'm grateful for that. Like, unlike in the, like the Get Carter remake where they, where Sylvester Stallone steps on all of Michael Caine's great lines in the original Get Carter. They don't do that in the Condor TV series, really. Uh, don't you reckon? Don't you reckon Max von Sydow is one of those actors that was just always old? Like, you know, it's like the Maggie Smith syndrome. Like, ever since you're a kid, which you know, for for people like us, was you know, 30, 40 years ago, they were old then. Yeah, like I remember as a kid watching him in. I'd like to say it's my favorite soccer movie of all time. Uh, Escape to Victory, or I think it may have just, I think it's maybe just called us, it was just called Victory, maybe it had another title, but for me it was always Escape to Victory. I had it on, my grandmother, I think I had it on tape. Um, she recorded it off TV, and basically it's, and it's another Michael Caine, it's, an, it's Michael Caine and Max von Sydow, and Sylvester Stallone, funnily enough, the triumvirate. And there, Michael Caine, Michael Caine is a British, uh, is a British captain who's in a POW camp in World War II. And he is, and he is like an ex, you know, English Premier League soccer player who, you know, has been drafted. And he's like, he's the, the most out of shape looking ex-football <laughs> player. He looks like, like Billy Brownless. The minute it, Billy Brownless stopped playing AFL football, he immediately <laughs> turned into the blob. And that's what's happened to Michael Caine in, in this. It's like he stuck his thumb in his mouth and blew really hard and his entire body popped out. But uh, so. I, look, I mean, the, the classic example is The Exorcist. Like he was only in his forties when he made that film, but he's made to 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 look like an eighty-year-old. Like an eighty-year-old, and that's the same with Escape for Victory. So Escape for Victory, they're like Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone. They're all POWs, and they've got this. There's an inter-camp football team, and Max von yeah. is a German officer who just happens to be visiting and sees them practicing and recognizes Michael Caine as being a ex premier league footballer and decide and like asked him like would you be interested in playing uh the german we've got a team the german um, garrison up the road and uh michael kane's like you know if you can give me uh you know proper food and equipment then sure and then of course it gets taken out of max von Sydow's hands and it becomes a um the germans want to use it as a pr exercise and so they field the best team out of all of German German military, and then Michael Caine is able to get all of the best players from all over the in all the POW camps, and that includes like people like Pele and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. And they all come together, and then of course the um, the resistance try and plan to help the team escape right under the Germans' noses in the middle of this you know football match it's a, it's a brilliant absolutely brilliant film and Sylvester Stallone who's an American can't seem to figure out that he's not allowed to use his hands but he needs <laughs> to be on the team because he's planned an escape but um the two guards the two sloppy guards that he needs have been reassigned to the football team so he needs to get on the football team to uh to so he can keep his guards and escape and then, of course, uh, because he because he doesn't understand that you can't use your hands in in English football, they make him a goalie, and uh, all of a sudden the legend 
problem solved. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone is born. But Max Wonsato was excellent in it, and he looks like he's about 80, but he would be it would be around the Exorcist time. He'd be in his 40s easily. Well, I'm going to have to add that to my list. I've never seen it. Um, I've heard about it, you know, just in passing. It sounds fantastic. It's a, it's a brilliant film. And um, funnily enough, like, I think if you go back and watch, um, what was it, Rites of Spring or whatever it is, what's that really early Max Wonsato movie where he plays chess against the devil? Oh yeah. Um, so, oh gosh. Uh, no. Um, one of his first films, and it was the one of the. Um, it's yeah. Oh my god! How how can I not know this? It's famous. I'm having a Ben moment. Are you having a Ben moment? Yeah. Can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I, it is a Rites of Spring, but it's something I always, I always get mixed up with that. But um, he uh, he's in that, and he's I reckon he's probably in his twenties, and he still looks like he looks like death in Bill and Ted's. <laughs> Bogus journey. <laughs> I'm gonna have to just look this up because I'm I'm gonna just drive you insane. If we, if we don't address it, because everybody everybody listening, because that's, the what, they, that's seal, what that's the seventh seal, the seventh seal. Because that's what that's what they're ripping off in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. They're ripping off that movie when he, they death yeah. challenges them to um to a game and then best out of three and then best out of five, <laughs> best out of five. Damn right. If I was a casual listener to this show, that that moment we just had would have frustrated the shit out of me. I could just I just imagine people listening to the show, uh, and all they hear is is me going, "Oh, what was that guy? It was in that thing with that girl, <laughs> and they did that, you know, the one with the car." <laughs> I'm gonna cut an entire episode of that just for our <laughs> Christmas special, a little treat for everybody. <laughs> It goes for seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you add up all of those 15 minutes, you know, it's not that long. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the time that you uh, start the show and go, uh, you know, how's it going, Ben? And I can't remember your name. Like, uh, uh, good. <laughs> Mate. Well, that always happens before we roll. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, who are you again? We do have to move on to our Guillermo segment, but first I want to quickly talk about Richard Hurd. He passed away as well this year. Now talk about a familiar face. This is one that a lot of people might not know his name, but you would definitely know his face amongst the countless films. He was in All the President's Men, The Mule, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, Sergeant Bilko, Private Benjamin, China Syndrome, how he even made Trances and Gleaming the Cube. And Fist. <laughs> or F-I-S-T. <laughs> The thing, the thing with this guy is, like, I don't think I've ever mistaken anyone more for Carl Molden. <laughs> like, every time I say, oh, it's TV's, but he's actually, he's just TV's Carl Molden. Because this guy has been in every TV show under the sun. And every time I say, I'm like, oh, it's the streets of San Francisco, it's, it's Carl Molden. Well, do you know, like, he was obviously, like many, he was a stage actor before he became a, a film actor. But his first movie, his break was in Hercules in New York, which was starred that, Arnold you know, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Yeah. Did he do the voice of? Because uh, I don't think Arnie they they didn't let Arnie use his actual voice in that. No. But no, we've spoken about uh, sliced alone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's just hope the curse does not strike this week. Yeah, you leave the governor alone. <laughs> well, yeah. It's time for Guillermo from Screen Realm to break down what's been happening across the cinemascape over the past week, and uh, keep listening because there's also an iconic song from another great who we lost this year thrown in for good measure. 
What's happening everybody, it's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. Let's talk a little bit about what we've covered on the site in the past week, kicking off with a new Predator movie that's going ahead with 10 Cloverfield Lane director Dan Trachenberg. That's right, a fifth film in the franchise that kicked off with John McTiernan's 1987 Schwarzenegger classic is going ahead and just two years after the most recent attempt to start a new trajectory. Trachenberg, who'd made an impressive debut with 2016's 10 Cloverfield Lane, will be directing for from a screenplay by Patrick Ayson, who's worked as writer and producer on TV shows such as Wayward Pines, Kingdom, and Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Plot details are being kept under wraps, although word is that the film won't swing back to the development of the most recent film. Essentially, that means don't expect that surprise ending in 2018's The Predator to mean anything here. And Mads Mikkelsen is our new Grindelwald. Warner Brothers has announced that the Rogue One and Hannibal actor has officially been cast as the Dark Wizard in the still untitled third Fantastic Beasts movie. Mikkelsen will of course be taking on the role that was previously inhabited by Johnny Depp in the first two films. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Fantastic Beasts The Crime of Grindelwald director David Yates remains at the helm for the third film which is currently shooting in London. As of now, Fantastic Beasts 3 is scheduled for release on July 15th 2022. A sequel is on the way for Aussie shark survival thriller The Reef. Andrew Trauke, writer and director of the 2010 original film, is set to return in the same capacity for the follow-up which has been titled The Reef Stalked. The film is currently in pre-production and is being lined up for a 2021 release. The first film followed the crew of a capsized sailboat along the Great Barrier Reef as they attempt to survive the bloodthirsty great white shark hunting them down. The sequel synopsis is as follows. In an effort to heal after witnessing her sister's horrific murder, Nick, her sister Annie, and two close friends travel to a remote Pacific island for a kayaking and diving adventure. Only hours into their expedition, the women are stalked and then attacked by a massive great white shark. To survive, the women will need to bond together and Nick will have to overcome her post-traumatic stress, face her fears, and slay a monster. And Deadpool 3 is coming together. Thankfully, it appears that Deadpool will continue to be an adult-aimed property as the third film develops under the Disney umbrella. The screenwriters have been chosen thanks to fruitful meetings and pitches with star Ryan Reynolds. Attached to write the screenplay are Wendy Molinox and Lizzie Molinox Logland, sisters and writing partners who have worked as writers and producers on animated series Bob's Burgers. The sisters, by the way, are also attached to Jump Street Now For Her Pleasure, a seemingly female-focused entry in that franchise. While of course there are no plot details to come by, Deadline is reporting that so far it appears Deadpool 3 is expected to continue the franchise's R rating, US classification, keeping in line with the heightened violence, language and themes seen in the first two films. That's certainly a relief as there's been worry that going under the Disney roof could mean a more family friendly approach to Deadpool, or worse, the end of the Deadpool focused movies. And of course going under the Disney umbrella means that Deadpool will be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so this could be the first R rated MCU movie. We had a review published from Glenn this week. He reviewed The Christmas Chronicles 2, the Netflix sequel that has Kurt Russell starring as Santa Claus. Glenn really enjoyed the first film, but unfortunately he didn't quite dig this one. He wrote in his review that The Christmas Chronicles 2 offers a convoluted and laborious continuation with few laughs and a contrived narrative. But it does point out that the whole cast, which includes Goldie Horn, do seem like they're having a good time and kids will be oblivious to most of the shortcomings. He gave it two and a half stars, jump on Screen Realm and check out that full review. And we have another giveaway going, we've had a lot of giveaways this month. This one is for a Christmas gift from Bob. It's a heartwarming sequel to a street cat named Bob and it's hitting limited cinemas on December 3rd. We're giving away 10 double passes thanks to Rialto Distribution, so jump on the website, enter that giveaway. 
That about does for me guys, plenty of news and trailers on the site. We've also published the release schedules for Stan, Netflix, Shudder and Amazon, so check that out as well. Thanks so much for having me, till next time, I'm out of here. On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler, we were both too tired to sleep. So we took turns staring out the window at the darkness, the boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, son, I made my life out of reading people's faces and knowing what the cards were. By the way, they held their eyes So if you don't mind me saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bummed a cigarette And asked me for a light And the night got deathly quiet his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Know when to walk away Know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough to count When the dealing's done Now every gambler knows The secret to surviving Is knowing what to throw away Knowing what to keep Cause every hand's a winner And every hand's a loser And the best you can hope for Is to die in your sleep So when he'd finished speaking He turned back toward the window Crushed out his cigarette Faded off to sleep Then somewhere in the darkness The gambler he broke even But in his final words I found An ace that I could keep You got to know when to hold up Know when to fold up Know when to walk away Know when to run You never count your money Sitting at the table, there'll be time enough to count when the dealing's done. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough to count when the dealing's done. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for count when the deal's done. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Yes, those headphones are huge. What headphones? Ah, can you can't. say Obi-Wan, you're our only hope? No, but I can show you my luscious nips.
That's, Nobody on Good Movie Monday is going to get that reference, so you'll have to check out the YouTube version of this. Luscious nips. All right. So today we're going to be talking about celebrity deaths. And there's no <laughs> good way to wrap a joke are, around that, is there? We, no, are, I mean, it's just are kind we of just tough. Gonna do, are we just going to do the ones that you are directly or indirectly linked to? Well, that would be too many. So what we're going to do is pick some people that may have passed on in 2020 that we are very sad to see go, but we don't think got enough play in the media. For yeah, example, uh, Sean so, Connery got a lot of play, but yeah. we're all sad that Sean's gone. And uh, my pick for this uh, this uh, episode is not. I want to go with Clark Middleton. The Clark Middleton? The, the Clark yeah, Middleton. Old Man Middleton's boy. Um, if you if you saw him, you would go, oh, it's that that gentleman. He, he whenever he was on television or, or in film, he always made me smile. He was he was a disabled person. He had he had a problem with his neck and back. He was most popular from Twin Peaks, but he was also in Snowpiercer, where he paid the painter. He was in Fringe mm-hmm. as Edward Markham, uh, Sin City. He was he he starred opposite um, Nick Offerman. He was one of the two thugs. Um, and in Kill Bill, he was Ernie. Yep. So he's had a lot of great roles. I did want to talk about how he died because he died from West Nile virus, which I didn't know was still a thing. Really? Yeah. Did, also, did you know he's from Bristol, Tennessee? No, I did not know he was from Bristol, Tennessee. Anyway. So anyway, so yeah, Clark Middleton is gone and it's sad, but whenever he was on screen, it, it brought me, a, it brought me, a, it, it brought a smile to my face. So what's yours, Joe? Well, mine, I mean, he got some play in the media, but he is in some of my favorite films of all time. We lost Ian Holm this year, Sir Ian Holm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not only is he in Lord of the Rings, I was in Hobbit, Chariots of Fire, Fifth Element. He's an alien. He is in, I mean, Ian He's Holm, Napoleon in Time Bandit. He's Napoleon in Time Bandit. That's right, Chad. He is a who's who of a convention crowd, don't you think? Yeah, he's one of those people. Is like, line up, you lock that son of a bitch in something. I guarantee that you watched something growing up, and you're like, oh, it's that guy. Ian Holm was, uh, I think, he elevated the term character actor to a whole other level. Uh, well, and Ian Holm uh, from Hell. His, oh, he's in from in, Hell. Yeah, yeah. His role in From Hell. I mean, that last scene that he's in, I won't give anything away, but he, there's just a moment where I'm like, dude, I would not be comfortable in that room with him right at that moment. Oh, that was a, that was a one creepy performance. James, go. I'm I'm you know I'm gonna go very obscure. I'm gonna say Margaret Nolan because Margaret Nolan is a name that you're not going to know, but you have seen her. Have she is she's been around two icons that I idolize. She's in Witchfinder General with Vincent Price, and she's in Goldfinger with Sean Connery. No, you did it wrong. Goldfinger. Uh, <laughs> So Margaret Nolan is most You'll famous never for being, be what's her face. I forgot her for name. being painted gold. She was a woman that was painted gold that is killed by Goldfinger and Goldfinger. And then she, she died in real hard... life making the film and then was resurrected at some point. <laughs> Dude, she's in a hard day's night. She I was gonna say she worked with the Beatles. The best Vincent Price, the Beatles, Sean Connery. What else can you need? Oh, let me give you one that she did later in life that I've never seen. But in researching this, I was like, I have got to see this film. I refer to the 1986 film she did, Sky Bandits. And let me just read the one-sentence summary for Sky Bandits. Through a series of circumstances, a pair of Old West gunfighters end up as fighter pilots in World War I. Don't you want to know what that's about? Because I do. 
We got to end this. Margaret Nolan's dead, but it's sad because she worked with icons. There you go. All right. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Wasn't that fun this week, though, talking about dead people? No, we didn't. We didn't kill any of these people. That we know of. Uh, all the way from Kentucky, thanks to those Bonehead guys from Bonehead Weekly, Joe, Chad, and James. Always fun. Thanks, lads. And, well, like they said, uh, I suppose only as fun as talking about dead people can get. Maybe we're having a bit too much fun here, Ben. I don't know. Oh, look, it's, we're not having fun. We're having a celebration. And celebrations are fun. It's like an Irish wake. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Kentucky before that, The Gambler. By Kenny Rogers from The Gambler. And not the 1975 film starring James Caan, but the 1980 TV movie starring Kenny Rogers himself. There were actually five movies in that franchise. And um, we, we played that as kind of a tribute to Kenny, who passed away in March at the age of 81. And the reason I say Kentucky is because he owned Kenny Rogers Roosters, a restaurant chain that was co-owned with the former Kentucky Fried Chicken CEO. It's a tenuous link, but it's worth saying. I can't remember which now. I can't remember which comedian was doing. I think maybe Andy Samberg just kept making jokes about uh, Kenny Rogers chickens. <laughs> and like when he was like, I think he was the uh, hosting the the Independent Spirit Awards movie awards. <laughs> so I'm talking well, about. Come on, you're you're a, you're a savvy tally movie kind of guy. Surely you're well versed in the gambling universe. I have I have not seen a gambler film. I have I, I have not. I'm afraid, but I have seen Six Pack with uh, Kenny Rogers, where he's a uh, race car driver and he gets stuck with a bunch of kids, including a very young Diane Lane. I, I've seen that one. You keep busting out the ones I've never seen. <laughs> I do I do remember uh, seeing like the gamblers around, and I've always loved those TV movies that are kind of like series. Like uh, was it? Um, there's one with. Um, who also passed away. I don't know if he passed away this year. When did Dylan from uh, Beverly Hills 90210 pass away? Was that this year? Luke Perry? Uh, Luke Perry, yeah. I think. Or was it last year? I think it might have been last year. Might have been last year. But he was in He was in one where he plays like a judge. Uh, like it's a Western series where he plays a judge. And he rides from town to town dispensing justice <laughs> and getting <laughs> and solving crime in his spare time. Uh, and I think the episode I saw had Catherine Isabel in it, which is pretty good. I've only ever seen the original Gambler, but um, the fact that there's five of them and I do adore a good dodgy sequel, I reckon I might have to uh, might have to invest is, in that. Is Dead or Alive one of them? Wasn't there a movie called Dead or Alive? I don't know. Was there? I mean, there's a few movies called that. I seem to remember on like um, like Film Pack release it on on video. I don't know if Kate Rogers was in that. Oh well. There you go. Well, here's some uh, here's some more names that we've lost over the year: Vera Lynn, Fred Willard. Jerry Stiller, Ennio Marconi, Alex Trebek, James Lipton, Alan Parker, Ben Cross, Linda Mance, Wilford Brimley, PJ Hogg, Brian Dennehy, and Jason Davis, just to name some more. The list just keeps going. 2020 has been a massive blow, no matter which way you look at it. I think the loss of Brian Dennehy is probably what rocked me the most. Well, Wilford Brimley rocked me a bit. And James Gunn last year or the year before was a real blow. But Brian Dennehy... Is just so solid and just so awesome. Like even when he's playing an arsehole, like in First Blood, or even in you know things like you know Bestseller or even FX, where he's not really he's not really the nicest kind of the nicest guy, but he's just so 
so damn watchable. And I remember he popped up in a couple of episodes towards the end of The Good Wife. He's like a, a state's attorney or something like that. And yep. he he was he had that kind of thing where he's his kind of body had shrunk a bit, but his head was the yes. same size. And so he was, his suits were too big and stuff and all nothing looked right. And just when you kind of can, you could tell that he was, um, he was, I don't know if he was sick. He just was getting older. Getting old. And I noticed that too. He was in a film recently with Annette Benning. I can't remember the name of it. It was a really terrible period piece film. Um, but he was in it as the sort of the, um, the head of the family. And like you said, it's like the Larry King effect where sort of the shoulders come up their head comes down, but the head's sort of like a bobble. Yeah. 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 But, but he was a he was a presence man. How terrifying was he in To Catch a Killer? Yeah, totally. Like he's that, not that film that film paved the way for stuff like Mindhunter, even Silence of the Lambs, that that procedural kind of um profiling of serial killers, that was a such an effective yeah. film. And and the fact that he dressed up as a clown. <laughs> yeah. Like that. That ain't nothing. Like Brian, like a a serial killer killing Brian Denner. He dressed up as a clown. Like that's nightmare fuel right there. Damn straight. Uh, I want to talk about Terry Jones for a minute. The legendary Terry Jones, who passed away in January at the age of seventy-seven after a long battle with dementia. What an icon! Like, of course, we needn't tell anybody listening that he was a member of the Monty Python comedy troupe. But on top of that, he was a writer and director in his own right. In addition to the the Python films, Holy Grail, Men in of Life, Life of Brian, he also wrote and directed Eric the Viking, uh, Wind in the Willows, and absolutely everything. And that's the one that really blows my mind because they say that it was a long battle with dementia, but absolutely everything was not made that long ago with Simon Pegg. And the remaining surviving Pythons were in it too. Yeah. Did you see that one? Uh, no, I, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, although... That's not surprising because me and Simon Pegg have a uh, a contentious relationship, so we say. <laughs> like, uh, I'll never... <laughs> I like Run, Fat Boy, Run, but I'll never <laughs> forgive him for uh, uh, how to lose friends and alienate people or whatever the hell it was with... Yeah. Like, you know, Kristen Dunst and... Oh, Jesus. You know Christ. what? Look, when it comes to Simon Pegg, I don't understand the appeal, to be honest with you. He's done a few hilarious things, and I think he's never been funnier than when he was on the Big Train TV series, that British uh, um, sketch show. Yeah. But as far as now that he's like some kind of Hollywood figure, I just don't get the appeal. Yeah, I, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, yeah, the fact that he's in um, Mission Impossible movies always <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, but what, I'm just trying to find what Wind in the Willows... Oh, like the, it's in 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 Australia. It was Wind in the Willows, and over in America, it was like um, Mr. Toad's crazy something. But it's the one. It's not the the stupid one with the airplane, the animated one. It's the the puppetoon claymationy one. No, it's live action. It's got uh, oh I, Jesus, I yeah, okay, John Cleese is in it. <laughs> yeah. What is it? What is it? What did you when you brought it up? What is it called? Oh, I, I couldn't find I couldn't find it on on the I was in Wikipedia for some reason rather than IMDb, um, so I couldn't. Uh, although I didn't know that he was he was involved in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Uh, yeah, he was. Okay, so for the for the benefit of our um, international listeners, it was called Mister Toad's Wild Ride. Yes, which which is yeah. Steve Coogan I, played Mister Toad before Steve Coogan was really sort of well known elsewhere 
outside of the UK. Yeah. I just, look, I, I've just had such a love for the, um, for the stop motion wind in the willows. Like I used to yeah. watch it as a kid all the time. I loved it that every other iteration upsets me, including like, I love uh, the sleepy hollow, the Disney sleepy hollow Ichabod yeah. crane uh, yep. cartoon but it, it's always released on DVD and uh, video with this ridiculous wind in the willows, Mr. Toad thing. Yes. Well. Because I've got the Blu-ray of that one and it's because both of them were not quite long enough to release as features. Cause they only yeah. go for about 50 minutes each. Yeah. They're, they're part of the, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. It's the same as um, uh, the electric night and uh, two and a half dads which was one of those, because they're all from the Disney, Wonderful World of Disney TV TV show, where they're our episodes, they're our TV movies kind of thing. Well, uh, I mean... What was the other one? Fuzz Bucket and Mr. Boogity. They were the same. They're only 60 minutes each. That's right. Uh, well, no, that was quite a digression, but just quick, quickly back to Terry Jones for a moment. Some of our Uber geek fans will also know that he wrote Labyrinth, starring David Bowie. So, oh, I didn't know not- that he wrote it. I don't yeah. know why I didn't know that. I've got the, I've got all the, I had all the books, the, but the, they were the Brian Froud. It was all Brian Froud because he designed all of the, um, the creatures and stuff. Like a lot of the, did a lot of the illustrations and everything. And I've, so I've got, I've, my aunt gave me this book when I was a kid of all of the illustrations. So for me, Brian Froud has always been yeah. inextricably linked with uh, the Labyrinth, but I didn't know that Terry Jones had written it. He did. And did he write the songs? About- did he write the songs? <laughs> no, that, that'd have to be Magic Bowie, wouldn't it? <laughs> you remember you're the babe. <laughs> what babe? The babe with the power. The power of voodoo? Voodoo. You do. <laughs> you what? Remind me of the babe. <laughs> <laughs> there, we go. Was, there was such there was such an awkwardness in our facial expressions that yeah. the listeners are just not <laughs> ever <Okay>. gonna <laughs> I think it's what every listener, every podcast listener wants. Like two, uh, say not in their, no longer in their twenties, men, singing <laughs> oh, David Bowie. <laughs> what is worse? What is worse than that is the fact. Last week I was somewhere socially and I heard two people do that exact thing. Oh really? <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, man, you sound like such fucking losers. And there we, here we are. And I think I started it. it. Yeah. I do um I do go by the name of hey you fucking loser in, in, in street. <laughs> you always so, your head always turns when you hear that. My head turns. I'm like, oh you're talking about me. <laughs> yes. You rang. Before we throw to the other guy that's got a segment coming up, Adam, that would be. Uh how about a quick mention of Conchata Ferrell? Do you know her as an actress? Uh the name doesn't ring a bell. Here we go then. That's good because I reckon everybody else is in the same boat. Who the hell is that? But you know her when you look at her. She's that heavy set woman from Two and a Half Men. Wonderful uh, character yeah. actress. Credits including Mr. Deeds, Krampus, Frank and Weenie, K-Pax. She was in Aaron Brockovic, Network, My Fellow Americans, Freeway, Heaven and Earth, True Romance, just to scratch the surface. Like one of those character actors that can just bounce between genres. She was wonderful. She's great, but she's been she's been replaced now. As a human? And I can't think of I can't no, as the like the the um <laughs> kind of grumpy, overweight older woman uh in things. And I can't I can't think of her of her name. Um, but she was in she's in uh 
Twilight, the Paul Newman movie, when yeah. she was actually quite young. Um, I know who you mean. I know who you mean. Um, I don't know. It. Once again, don't know her name, but you know her face. Uh, Margot, Ma- Margot Martindale. Ah, oh, I was about to say I can play the Jeopardy music now because Alex Trebek is gone. <laughs> she's um she's um Hillary Swank's mother in Million Dollar Baby. You know the one who yep who cracks the shits when uh, Hillary Swank buys her a house because it may stop her from getting her benefits. And uh, she was in the firm and Lorenzo's Oil and stuff. And now she's in she's in the Hollers. Yes. Um, a bit a bit more recently and um and stuff. And she's like now she's that. Conchita Farrell, she she's taken all of her roles, <laughs> so to speak. So to, uh, she's literally taken all those roles. I, I'm shocked she's in. She's seemingly in everything now. Her nickname is Grave Robber. You're right. Career thief. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? We're we're approaching the tail end of this, so let's just um let's see what Adam's recommending this week. And whether or not it got five stars. Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with another Good Movie Monday recommendation. Now, I've got a freshie for you. I've got a brand new movie that is just dropping this week that I'll be recommending. It is Palm Springs. Now, I haven't recommended many comedies. I normally go all doom and gloom and natural born killers and raging bull and shit like that. So uh, this is a bit of a change of gear, but I like this movie a lot. I've seen it three times. Uh, It's just dropped on Amazon Prime, and I like it because it's so inventive. And look, we've seen time loop movies before, uh, the most famous being Groundhog Day. And so this is kind of like a a millennial version and that might sound uh, obnoxious and look there's obnoxious elements in this movie but they are played for laughs I think that this movie is definitely helped by incredible chemistry Andy Samberg in the lead here as Niles is just a great everyman. I think that, you know, his kind of his nihilism is really, really funny in this. Kristen Melotti is excellent as well here as Sarah, his kind of love interest in this, or his, you know, like co-conspirator. And effectively, this movie puts these two characters into a time loop. They've got to relive the same day. That same day is a wedding day. And they just test the parameters of this concept in this movie in ways that are inventive and funny and visually like really arresting. It's got incredible uh, support here. I laugh just even thinking about it by J.K. Simmons as Roy. Uh, I don't want to give really anything about this character away, but when he gets introduced into these characters' time loops, yeah, he may or may not be their nemesis. But it's just, I think that the thing with this movie too as well is that not only is it very clever with the time loop stuff, but it withholds information about these characters from us and then it slowly drip feeds them to us and it actually becomes surprisingly poignant because the movie is quite silly on the surface, but it has got an emotional gut punch and I fell for these characters and I really cared for them. And so every time I watch it, I feel entertained, I feel moved and I guess that's what a really good rom-com should be. And I just, I don't think we get that many good ones. So this is an absolute kind of like slap across the face or a you know a nice cool drink of water in the cinema scape so palm springs is five stars from me i think it's really fantastic and i think you don't even have to leave your house you can go and check it out on amazon prime right now adam ross ladies and gentlemen the chairman of the australian film critics association it's unreal having him on the show and if you dig what he does you can find his page adam's justin on facebook and he also appears regularly on tickertv.com.au as their resident movie guru All right, hey folks, it's time to give away some more free stuff, so send me an email at glenn at fakechamp.net and be the first to correctly identify the TV spot from earlier in the show. It's an easy one. It's a really easy one. So this prize ought to be a cinch. 
Thanks to our friends at Eagle Entertainment and Luna Drive-In, we have copies of the new release movies Seized and A Soldier's Revenge, as well as a free pass to Luna Drive-In. All this comes to the value of $90. And if you live outside Melbourne, we'll replace the drive-in pass with a few more new release movies. And just so you know what you are vying for, Seized is a new action thriller starring Scott Atkins, Mario Van People, directed by Isaac Florentine. And if you're a regular listener to this show, you'll know how much I adore Isaac Florentine and... Scott Atkins. And the other one is A Soldier's Revenge, a western from the producer of Bone Tomahawk. It stars Neil Bledstone, Rob Mayers, Val Kilmer, James Russo, and Jake Busey. So email me now and good luck. But Ben, let's recommend some stuff. As we enter the final stage of the show, um, I'll let you go first. What nugget of gold are you bestowing upon us today? Okay, I'm going to recommend a film from 1977. It is the directorial debut of one Ridley Scott, and it is called The Duelists. Awesome movie. Uh, it is an excellent film. It stars uh, Harvey Keitel and Keith Carradine. No, not uh, not the one from Revenge of the Nerds, and not the one from uh, <laughs> from Kung Fu. The other Carradine, the real Carradine. Um, <laughs> basically i think i actually i was trying to remember if i talked about it on the show before and i think back when i was filling in for jarrett on pe class i mentioned i talked about it when it, you know, it's release it's an original yes. release on blu-ray in australia through the imprint line uh care via vision um and this movie it it is it is really good like it's a, basically about these two two officers, Harvey Keitel and, and Keith Carradine, the two officers in Napoleon's army, and they get into a disagreement about Napoleon. And yeah. Harvey Keitel, who's this kind of hothead, challenges Keith Carradine to a duel. And in the duel, I believe Keith Carradine kind of cuts off part of Harvey Keitel's face. Like he slices off this chunk of skin and it's all hanging off and it's super gross, but it all gets um, patched up kind of thing. But this, he doesn't kill him. He just you know, I think it was just a first blood or something. Or for some reason, it just doesn't go any further. But this incenses Harvey Keitel, who is like well known as a, as a duelist. And the movie basically follows the entirety of these two men's careers uh, through their like campaigns in against the English and against the right, the Prussians, and the whole mm -hmm. thing. And Harvey Keitel consist constantly chases down Keith Carradine and challenges him to duels. And he's first um they keep getting promoted and when because keith carradine does not want to duel he's not interested he's he doesn't want to get killed over something stupid and he doesn't really have anything against harvey Gotel other than harvey Gotel's a bit of a blowhard but so he gets promoted and younger junior officers aren't allowed to challenge their superiors to duels so he's safe for a while and then harvey Gotel will get promoted and then the duel then they then they have to then he challenges him to a duel and the jewels, like the the jewels, actually do look ridiculous. Like they all hold their swords in these stupid poses and stuff. And it it, it is quite a it's quite amusing. I'm not sure if that was something that um, that uh, really Scott did uh, on purpose, but um, yeah, it's it's just a, it's just a really entertaining film. Considering considering he would have made it on a shoestring budget, he does a really good job of of. Um, you know, when you make these, sometimes like if you watch that Sharp TV series, which is all about the Napoleonic Wars with Sean Bean, they mm. make, 
you know, they've got the entire French army, the French, a French column is made up of 50 guys and it never looks right because they just don't have the budget to really create these armies of thousands. And really Scott does a really clever job of, of making everything look hundred percent real, even though he does sometimes only have 20 people in the scene. Uh, Albert Finney shows up. I think Kevin Reynolds, I think had something to do with this. I'm not exactly sure what. Wouldn't surprise me. You know what? This was a this was a real missed opportunity for Ridley Scott. Like the Duelist could have really been a story about how the the brothers fought to be the Carradine. <laughs> yeah, I am. There's like a Highlander type story. Yeah, where there exactly. could be only one Carradine. And you've got to get. You've got to chop off. You've got to. You've got to chop off John's head. Like you got to go from the top and. Work yeah. Down. Yeah. To become the premier Carradine. Yes. It was only his first. Uh, it was only his first film. Like you got to you know, cut him some slack. Yeah, true. Like if it was Tony remember. Scott, Tony Scott would have totally fucking done it. <laughs> and I just remembered we're on a in memoriam episode here and we're talking about yeah. Carradines. It's like, oh my goodness. Killing Carradines. Carradines. Carradines oh. killing Carradines. Well, good stuff. I am going to um, talk about another memoriam recommendation. This year, Galen Gord passed away at the age of 55 and she was in oh, loads of great films. Oh, yes, I forgot. Yeah, including uh, an Albert Pune film. Uh, down twisted but loyal listeners um know that i love albert pune but she was also in a lot of movies that sort of are up our alley at fake champ like she was in robocop 2 and america 3000 the wizard of speed and time point break judgment night storyville i hope you're recommending what i think you're recommending i don't think i am oh for me it can't go past the wrong guys from 1988 yeah no jesus christ no that is not what <laughs> With with Richard Lewis, here we go. This is uh, <laughs> yeah. This. I thought you were going to say. I honest to God thought that you were going to talk about Malibu Bikini Shop, or as it was called in Australia, the Bikini Shop. <laughs> you wish. With, with Bruce Greenwood and Galen Gorg. Gorg. Uh, look, I'm, I've I'm, I've I'm disappointed. I've referenced the wrong guys several times throughout the show uh, over the year. Starring Louis Anderson, Richard Lewis, Richard Belzer, Tim Thomason, Brian James, John Goodman, Ernie Hudson, Bunny Summers. It's a huge cast for such a forgotten film. And the story is about a bunch of adult friends who reunite to go camping on a mountain that they were never able to conquer as kids. It's a wonderful comedy of mateship and clinging to one's youth. And Louis Anderson, who recently had a huge comeback, co-starring with Zach Galifianakis in Baskets, is absolutely fantastic in this movie, and I'm a sucker for wilderness comedies, um, particularly scouting movies and summer camp movies. I think they, they should all star Daniel Stern, though. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's a great one. I talked to uh, to TikTok Tara Town about that movie. What a what a fun movie that is. TikTok Tara Town, is that a game? What? No, you do re- you do remember that we had Tara Town from TikTok on the show several episodes ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I do. I know who oh, you yeah. do. I you just say that like now. when you refer to her as TikTok Tara Town, I just think that you're <laughs> just like it's like a weird guy. The TikTok's Tara Town. I got Tara in Town a little TikTok? bit of trouble for using her real name. That's the problem. Right? Is it is it real name Tara Town? Yeah, her real name's Tara Town. Shouldn't have used it. Right? Yeah, you're not supposed to. It's uh... a <laughs> You're just supposed to call it TikTok? TikTok's her first name? <laughs> Tara's the middle just, name. Let's just say in, in that world that she inhabits, there are some lunatics and you don't want to be giving that kind of information out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, anyway, um, The Wrong Guys, uh, great movie poster, and right now the movie is available for free on YouTube, so I think it's well worth a look. And they're all just as Boy Scouts, aren't they? On, on the, the poster they are. It's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. There's a couple. There's like a, a poster with them sort of in photograph form in their scout costumes, but there's also like one of those hand-drawn posters like the great comedies of the 80s all had. Yeah, so, like a Drew you know, type one. Yeah, but I kind of like the photo one. That's the one as a kid that was on the VHS, you know, and that's the one that sort of always had the appeal to me. Yeah, I, look, I have only ever seen it on VHS. Yes. Well, uh, anyway. So that's my recommendation anyway. And here lies the end of the show. Uh, some other names who passed away before we sign off. Um, Jason Davis, Orson Bean, uh, Ed Bine, Olivia D. Uh, Haviland, Lynn Ed Sheldon. Uh, it was Irfan Khan. I think that's how you pronounce his name, though guy that's been in so many great indian films as well as jurassic world uh alan deviao andrew jack all names that are worth taking time to google and explore a little further but huge thanks in reverse today joe chad and james from bonehead weekly a great nostalgic segment today cheers to adam ross from adam's just seen also to guillermo from screen realm don't forget to visit screenrealm.com and of course jarrett gunn from monster pictures for his reliable input and his little tribute segment don't forget this week, Monster Fest starts this week. If you're in Melbourne, head down to Cinemanova. It starts Thursday. You can talk about it a little more if you'd like to. No, that's all I wanted to say. That's on <laughs> Thursday. Same to you, Ben. Thanks again for helping put another episode in the can. Until next week, sir. Oh, until, uh, until later in the week. <laughs> Indeed. Get along. <laughs> And to Eagle Entertainment and Lunar Drive in much gratitude for the ongoing support. And last but not least, to all of you listening, you're the most important ones of all. Thanks for being friends with Good Movie Monday. Last week, we played a song from the Fast Times at Ridgemont High soundtrack. And now we're going to play a song from its spiritual sequel, The Wildlife. We lost the great Eddie Van Halen this year. And uh, here's an awesome piece of his from The Wildlife soundtrack. It's a title that I can get behind. It's called Donut City. Have a great week, everyone. (laughs) 